Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, everyone, we're back in our book of our study of Zechariah, and uh, we're in chapter. And, you know, whenever he puts us right back where we were the previous day, you know, it's important stuff. So we've got to dig in a little bit and, and make sure we don't miss it. So as we said before, all the visions are done. And then in the, you know, then the people, uh, you know, are coming basically to Zechariah to ask this question. So they send this delegation of people down from the, from the northern kingdom and they go down there to specifically ask Zechariah a question. So, you know, it must be something important, right? So they're coming down from Bethel, uh, in the northern kingdom, they're coming down where uh, Zechariah is, uh, most likely to Jerusalem, where the temple's trying to be rebuilt. And so, what kind of question do you think they would ask? Well, these are people that have just come out of captivity. They've just been in in uh, Babylon 70 years. You know, now they're back, and you got sort of this new generation of the nation Israel, and they're trying to put their lives back in order. They're trying to rebuild their own houses. They're trying to re, and they've been asked to rebuild God's temple. They're trying to rebuild God's temple. They're trying to rebuild their lives, right? So, probably a lot of them, or at least these people representing these the the, the people, had been doing some ceremonies you know probably since they they left they probably been doing these ceremonies could be their whole life but they've been doing ceremonies of fasting and mourning and so they're basically saying can we stop now or should i keep it up and they've probably been doing this a long time it was probably built in to their worship service, fasting and weeping. So it's kind of like, uh, can we stop doing this now? Or do we have to still do it? And you would think on, on face value, it's a pretty practical question. 
But God gives it a deeper answer, which he always does. So that's where we find ourselves back in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. This is to Zechariah. So now he's going to answer them. But he, but, be, but notice, he's very careful to say this is the word of the Lord. This is not the Zechariah word. He's telling them, this is God's answer to you. And before we hear his answer, let's just kind of ask ourselves, you know. Do we sometimes ask the same kind of question today? Yeah, maybe. Do I still worship with mourning and sorrow and fasting? Do I, do I still have that as a component of my worship? How should, how should I worship? What, what do you want me to do when I worship? Do you want me to sing with an electric guitar or make music at church? Do you want me to put on really fancy clothes or, or do you want me just to wear anything? Does it matter if I'm wearing fancy clothes or does it matter if I'm not? Do you want me to lead a Sunday school group? Do you want me to just sit in the back? Do you want me to sit up front? Do you want me to sit in the balcony? If the church has a balcony. Do you want me to serve like being an usher? Do you want me to hand out communion? Um, do you want me just to be in the back praying? What, what do you want me to do when I worship? What's good in your eyes? Tell me what you think I should do. I mean, these questions sound like maybe something we might ask, right? <clears throat> so let's answer these people's questions and perhaps maybe our own questions. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. Verse 5. Here's God's answer. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh, for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? Whoa. So when you were doing all these things, maybe... Uh, denying yourself food or having this emotional experience of mourning or weeping. God says, when you were doing all these ritualistic things, was it for me? God's saying, well, where was your heart when you did all these things? To God, it's the heart that matters. So when we ask the same question, do we wear fancy clothes or do we wear regular clothes? God says, I'm not worried about the clothes. I'm worried about your heart. Well, should I teach Sunday school or not? Or just listen? God says, teach or you don't have to teach. It's your heart that matters. 
you could have a listener whose heart is right with God and a teacher. They may have authority, but that doesn't mean their heart's right with me. I need a teacher that's heart is in the right place as well as the listener. They both honor me. What about serving in the church? Where's your heart? Are you handing out communions with with a grumpy heart or grumbling? Or is it full of joy for me? Was it for me? When you gave the offering to the church, was it really for me or was it just a sense of obligation? McGee says, if I'd have been Jesus and I got put on that cross and then I got raised from the dead and I saw Peter, I would have admonished him. Like, why did you deny me three times? You know, maybe that would have taught Peter a a lesson. You know, you're thinking of just yourself, Peter. Why weren't you thinking of me? You know what? You know how Jesus instructed Peter? He didn't admonish him at all. You know what he did? McGee says, he asked Peter, do you love me? And he asked Peter three times. Every time, for every time, Peter denied him. Peter denies him three times. God, Jesus, asked him three times, do you love me? It's the same question. Zechariah is answering these people. When you fasted and you mourned, was it because you loved me? Or was it just a ritual? That question is deep for each one of us. And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Were you fasting for me and just eating for yourselves? Verse 7, were not these the words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous with her cities around her and the south and the lowland were inhabited? God's saying, I'm basically asking you the same. I'm trying to answer you with the same questions I was asking you before Jerusalem got destroyed. Why did Jerusalem get destroyed, people? Because the people's hearts weren't in the right place. Why did I let the Assyrians and then the Babylonians come in? Because of the sin in people's hearts. And when they were worshiping, I was asking them through the prophets. Were you worshiping out of love for me? Or just 
for yourself. People like to go through rituals, makes them feel safe, makes them feel good, makes them feel sort of righteous. God's saying, I don't want all that. I need your heart. I want you to love me. That's why Jerusalem got destroyed. You say you're still doing all these rituals of fasting and weeping. And you want to know if you can stop doing that now. The first question we need to answer is, are you fasting and weeping for me? What did you learn in Babylon? Did you learn that the city was destroyed because the people didn't love me anymore? It's almost like you put a child in timeout. After timeout, you go back to the little child and you say, Okay, little Jimmy, what did you learn when you were in timeout? And if we take Jesus' example of how to correct a child, what an example that is. How do you correct a child? Well, Peter is a child of Jesus, and he just super big time disobeyed Jesus. He didn't even acknowledge Jesus. That's like the worst sin of all, isn't it? Rejection of Christ. I think that's one of the examples of when a Christian can actually lose their salvation. You know, they're under grace. They still sin, they're under grace, but but the Christian that believes Jesus and then after a while his heart grows cold and then denies Jesus. What about them? What about Peter at the foot of the cross? He's saved, supposedly. But he denies Christ. And he denies him three times in front of Christ. Did Peter lose, lose his salvation? What does Christ do? How does Christ handle the ultimate sin at the foot of the cross? The ultimate denying Christ at the foot of the cross. How does Christ show his parenting skills? He shows love to Peter by his grace and his forgiveness. He's, he makes breakfast for Peter. Peter's out trying to catch fish. He knows what Peter needs. He knows Peter needs to be fed before he can understand anything. He's not making Peter fast. He's not asking Peter to cry. 
because he died. He's looking for Peter's heart. Wow, you want to know some parenting skills? You got the good parent making breakfast. And then the good parent instructs and teaches. How does Jesus teach? With a question. Do you love me? Three times. Love covers all the sin, doesn't it? The ultimate sin of rejecting Christ is covered by Christ's love. We ask God in prayer, how should I worship? How should I fast? How should I approach the day in prayer? How many minutes a day should I pray? Should I pray sitting in a chair or praying on my knees? or Do I pray by myself outside or do I have a prayer room? What does all that look like? How much money should I give to the church? How many church activities should I do? Should I decline the latest one because I'm too busy? Or should I put aside time to make time? What does my Christian walk look like? God says, Are you doing all these things for me or for yourself? Are you playing dress up for me or for yourself? If it's for me, all of this is acceptable, any of it. If it's for yourself, it doesn't matter how beautiful the ceremony is. If it's not for me, it's wasting time. Do you love me? Do you love me? God's after our hearts, not our rituals. So we'll stop here. Powerful study, I must admit. I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Wasn't this a fun study? Learning a lot. So today's Friday. That means we'll break over the weekend and start back up on Monday. God bless you all. We'll see you next time. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And now, we'll turn the podcast over to Matali. God bless you all. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Zechariah chapter 7, beginning at verse 4 all the way to verse 7. In our previous study yesterday, we went through Zechariah 7 verses 1 to verse 6 so we're just going back in order for us to um you know explain um this section in more detail so this section as we saw yesterday uh we're in a historic interlude in the prophecy of zechariah so we had the 10 visions and now there is the historic interlude 
So there is here a delegation that came down from Bethel, and Bethel means the house of God. So Bethel was called the house of God by Jacob when he thought he had run away from God, from his father, and from his brother Esau. So when he got there, he spent the night, and God gave him a vision and said, This is the house of God, the very gate of heaven. Unfortunately, the northern kingdom, um, so Bethel was under the northern kingdom. So the northern kingdom under Jeroboam put one of the golden calves in Bethel. So it was a place that actually belongs to the northern kingdom. So the delegation that came down from Bethel indicates that people from the ten tribes were not lost. So this delegation, um, you know, when they, when they came from their captivity, they went back to their homes. So they're not lost. The ten tribes, they're not lost. They're just scattered. So um, it indicates that they're actually not lost at all. Some of them were in Bethel. So those that returned came from the cities around the Sea of Galilee. So the entire 12 tribes was represented here in this group that came. And these were very few, um, um, you know, of any of them from each tribe and that actually returned so they were actually less than 60,000 um so we have all this stated in the book of Ezra so when we get to the book of Ezra um we shall um read more about this so the delegation that came down from Bethel um uh, you know and and you know they went to Zechariah they went to Zechariah with a question so they had began to actually fast before and during the Babylonian captivity. So they used to fast before they went into captivity and during the Babylonian captivity. And, you know, we have this, um, it's actually stated in Psalms 137, which reads, um, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, here we wept when we remembered Zion. So that's where they, they used to uh, weep and fast and mourn. And, you know, this later on became a um, religious function. So God never actually gave them um, a fast day. God gave them seven feast days. So it was their own um, idea to actually fast. And even when they fasted, they never really did it for the Lord. As they, uh, as as we actually stated in our study yesterday, they were doing it for their own selfish uh, ends. So God didn't come out and say it was wrong. Neither did He say it was right to fast. He didn't answer the question directly, and yet He actually answered them. So verse four um, of chapter seven, Zechariah reads, "Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying." So again, here, you know, Zechariah is, um, you know, giving them an answer. And he's not giving him an answer at his own authority. It's the word of the Lord. So Zechariah will give them an answer concerning this, concerning fasting. And we find that there is a threefold answer to the question of fasting concerning um, a religious ritual. So their point is that, you know, they had been fasting and weeping and wailing, you know, even in the time of captivity. And now it actually... To them, it's actually got boring and it now looks silly as they go through, um, you know, a practical ritual and it's a religious rite that they have been going through and they, they actually don't get any results. God's not blessing them. So God is not answering. God's not blessing them. And, you know, they actually now come to uh, Zechariah to ask what is wrong and what should they actually do about it? So... There will be a threefold answer to this. And, you know, we have this starting this. We have um, 
you know, the first answer actually is from um, verse 4 through to verse 7 of um, chapter 7. So the first answer is here. Um, you know, and Zechariah is going to give them an answer here. And he says, then the word of the Lord came of hosts came to me saying, so the first answer is here. And it's the first answer is, you know, when the heart is right, the ritual is right. So this goes down, um, you know, like I said, from verse four to verse seven. So, uh, in verse eight of chapter seven, Zechariah to verse 14, um, the second fold of the answer is when the heart is wrong, the ritual is wrong. And then the third answer is in chapter eight. Um, and it's, you know, God's purpose concerning Jerusalem is unchanged by any ritual. So anything that man does won't actually interfere with God's plan or program. So he is running this universe. And these people thought, you know, that a ritual might actually have something to do with changing God's plans. God's plans don't change. No matter, you know, what man does today, you know, even if man tries to do something to the extreme uh, in the hope that, you know, God's plans are going to change, God's plans and programs remain intact. So um, let me just read verse four and five. And it reads, then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, so the fifth month that's in August and the seventh month is October, during the 70 years, so that's 70 years of captivity, did you really fast for me? For me? So the ritual is right when the heart is right. So God's making it very clear that he does not approve or condemn the ritual he acquires into the motive of why they're fasting, of the ritual they're going through. So in their specific case, they fasted for so many years, you know, before they went into captivity, when they were in captivity, they fasted. So it had now become boring for them. And God is now telling them that he, he's simply telling them that he had become bored with them also because they were not doing it for, the heart was not right. They were not doing it for God. So today, there are so many um, Christian services today that just, you know, they bore God as they just go through rituals without even thinking when their hearts are not right. You have so many people today, you know, their hearts are just wrong. You know, they're jealous, envious, they're, um, you know, they're just mean people. And they just go through all these religious rituals without even thinking about it. Their hearts are not right. So God doesn't even listen um, to, you know, whatever rituals that they are actually going through. So God says these people didn't do these rituals for him. And he produces evidence. They didn't. And today you have a lot of people, you know, practicing churchianity, going through religious religion. Re they, uh, sorry, they are religious people, but their hearts are not right. So verse um, 6 goes on to read, when... You eat and when you drink, do you eat and drink for yourselves? So when the fasting was over, uh, these same people, they couldn't wait to actually get to the table and, you know, have that feast. They couldn't wait. So technically they were just like, oh my gosh, this, um, oh my goodness, this, um, this fasting should just end already. So they were, they were not doing it for God. They were just doing it because it's a right. It's, it's a religious right. Uh, and they were just going through the whole uh, process. So when they were eating, they didn't do it um, unto God. So whatever we do, whether be it to eat or to drink or to worship or, you know, um, you know, or to just study the word of God, we ought to do it all to God's glory. Um, if you're not doing it to God's glory or if you're not doing it for a high motive, then don't do it at all. If there's some other reason and not a high motive, then just don't do it at all. So our Christian faith 
you know, it's not a Sunday affair. It's not a dress up Sunday affair. You go and, you know, sit on Sunday and all. The test of the Sunday service is the life that we actually live the next day. You know, how are we living our lives socially? How are we living our lives in our homes? How are we living our lives in our everyday um, work lives, in our businesses? So, you know, scripture says faith without works is dead. So if we as Christians, you know, we claim to be Christians and, you know, we have faith and we believe and we trust God. Um, but, you know, our lives are not a reflection of what we are actually preaching. We're not practicing what we're preaching. Then that's dead. Verse 7 goes on to read, should you not have obeyed the words of the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities around were inhabited and prosperous and the south and the lowland were inhabited. So God now says to them, you went through all the rituals before, you know, when this city was prosperous, when, you know, they were in the land, when they were prosperous, but they went into captivity. Why did they go into captivity? Because they did not obey God. And, you know, in verse 8, um, he will actually show, Zechariah will show that a ritual is wrong if the heart is wrong. So God will put down on their lives specific commandments that have to do with a man's relationship to man and to God. So the notion that we have today that we can actually serve Christ, even go through a ritual of doing something when we are not right with him and, you know, expect blessings from God, it does not work. You know, our hearts have to be right. You know, and um, if our hearts are not right, we're not, ex we're not getting any blessings from God. So it's not the ritual that, you know, we go through, that you and me go through. Um, you know, to some church members, religion is a rite or a ritual. You know, they give pious platitude or verborage, you know, um, there's so many of these cliche sayings. Um, today, there is a great deal of churchianity um, that you know, that's actually tasteless and it's actually just bland and devoid of that warm, that feeling, that connection. So there is no personal relationship with Christ. Today, there's just, it's just churchianity. And, um, you know, we don't have that relationship with Christ that's meaningful and productive and our heart and, you know, our rituals and, you know, lethargy is not worth a snap of our fingers, as Dr. J.V. McGee put it. So unless it's, you know, got a life that's related to Jesus Christ. So if there is no study of his word or deep desire to actually know his word, then there is no relationship. Because you just can't go and do rituals at church. You know, there are certain churches you go there and you wonder, what were they preaching on? Because the whole sermon is just full of rituals and ceremony. Like, you know, they just, uh, you know, they do one thing after another thing. And, you know, there's just no deep study of the word. There is no relationship um, of God and Christ. So let's stop playing church today and start loving Christ and living for him. There is nothing wrong with a ritual if you are right with God and you love the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing wrong with a ritual. Just don't play church. You know, don't go through rituals. Don't go oh, because, um, you know, um, my, 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 my biological clock is ticking. You know, I need to belong to uh you know, a particular church and I need to be baptized and oh, why are you doing all those things? Are you doing it because you love God and your heart is right? You know, you don't have, you know, like even your, your, your social life, your work life, you know, it actually reflects that, you know, you are a child of God. There's nothing wrong with the ritual, but you know, your heart should be right with God. Okay. So this is our 
our um, lesson for today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant Friday. Bye-bye.